Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Catherine Hegel, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seeing more issues with dog joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true even for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. Listener, I've watched this video, and honestly, it's 20 minutes well spent. The health of my animals means everything to me. This stuff has improved the coats and energy of mine, and they love it. Normally, they are picky with food, but they really enjoy this stuff. Go to badlandsfood.com slash obscura and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D dot com slash obscura. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Listener, I'm proud to announce the upgrading and overhaul of our Patreon membership. Now referred to as the Black Label Society, This will offer two new tiers, which includes an extra Black Label episode that will run two to three hours, as well as apparel, which people have been asking for for a long time. So think shirts, hoodies, what have you. Now, if you head to our Patreon at patreon.com slash obscura crime podcast, you can see the full details. And I'm telling you, I've been thinking about this for a long time. So. You'll want to check it out. Again, if you want access to even larger Black Label episodes that will be exclusive to the Patreon, head to patreon.com slash podcast and check it out. You'll get all the details there. I thank you for your support. I hope you enjoy today's episode. This show could not exist without you, and I appreciate each and every listener. And if you can't afford it, I understand. Just please enjoy. Thank you for listening, and keep the fire burning. The word incel is a popular true crime buzzword. I'm going to explain it to summarize it adequately and move on. Incel is short for involuntary celibate. Being a virgin doesn't make you a bad person. No, not at all. That's important to note. However, a self-identified incel is a person who typically exhibits exaggerated forms of self-loathing. Misogyny, sexism, racism, you get it. Elliot Roger, the perpetrator of the Isla Vista massacre, is sort of the patron saint of incels. Another overriding characteristic of an incel is this ability to twist their personality into many layers of irony. 
usually to the point that as they grow older, they suffer from irony poisoning. Think joking about something ironically for long enough that it becomes an unironic part of your personality. Now look, I'm not going to sit here and act like I-dubs. I think we all indulge in dark and edgy humor from time to time, and I don't believe it's something you need to repent for. Gallo's humor is a great coping mechanism after all. That said, you have to be careful with how far you cross the line, even in the privacy of your own home, because some ideas you may have picked up ironically can lead you down a dark path. You may end up friendless, without a significant other, alone. Today's subject found himself tangled in a dark web of his own making, a putrid and hateful person, a man who simultaneously complained about his loneliness, but somehow, in his mind, positioned himself above those who succeeded where he failed. Under this delusion, his life ultimately spiraled. The actions he would go on to take made him feel justified. In short, he was a person who was incapable of taking responsibility for his actions until his bitter end. Welcome, listener. I'm glad you're here. Take a seat next to the fire. Tonight, the mass shooting inside a Tallahassee yoga studio making national headlines has left people around the country and police asking why. The gunman killed two people and hurt at least four others. Police have identified him as this guy, 40-year-old Scott Beerley of Deltona. Investigators were at the home where he lived in Volusia County earlier today, and so was News 6's Clay Lapard. Throughout the day, detectives were inside this home on Azora Drive looking for clues to try to help them figure out why a man would open fire on a Tallahassee yoga studio. Tallahassee police say 40-year-old Scott Beerley pretended to be a customer before pulling out a handgun at hot yoga in Tallahassee Friday evening, killing two people and injuring five others before killing himself. Officers searched the hotel room where Beerley was staying nearby, but they hoped they could get more answers from what was inside this home where Beerley lived in Deltona, nearly four hours away from the shooting. Several neighbors tell News 6 that Beerley was renting a room out of this home, but not for very long. Quiet. Hardly ever saw him. I think he was a loner. And I can see that he minded his own business. 
Beerley had been arrested in the past for grabbing women, but those charges were eventually dropped. We've also learned Beerley worked at Volusia County Schools in 2017, but it's not clear in what capacity. We really just got a very weird vibe from him. My daughter had an incident with him at her job and um, with kind of like watching people and making them feel uncomfortable. And so we just all got weird vibes from him. Police say they still haven't found a connection between Beerley and the yoga studio or the people that were inside. In Deltona, Clay Lepard, News 6. Scott Beerley's earliest blip on his legal record is in 2004. He was arrested for DUI. This would be far from the last. A former classmate once said she didn't speak with him outside class. He made inappropriate comments. She'd catch him leering from across the classroom. Mike Orgo met Scott in 2011 at a comedy open mic session. It was held in Tallahassee. He didn't know Scott well. They were Facebook friends and met a few times. But Mike felt Scott seemed angry, on edge. Something was off. Scott Beerley was indeed angry from a young age. NBC News reports, As a teenager, Beerley wrote an 81-page revenge fantasy about a middle school boy who hated his female classmates because he felt shunned and humiliated by them. In the story, the boy murders the girls, then commits suicide as the police arrive. Originally from New York, Beerley served in the military and once taught in Maryland. He taught English and social studies at Meade High School at Fort Meade. During this period, he was active on the 4chan message boards, something that I believe painted his view of the world. If not painted, it gave him a certain kinship of like-minded individuals, ironic or not. In 2007, he resigned. He then served two years in the military before attending Florida State University. His stint at FSU lasted from 2011 to 2013. On December 7, 2012, Scott was reported to campus police for an incident in the FSU dining hall. A woman accused him of grabbing her while she was filling her cup at a soda fountain. Scott claimed he may have accidentally bumped into the girl, but the girl doubles down. She's sure that Scott intentionally grabbed her. Another girl, who witnessed the assault, told campus police that Scott had grabbed her the same way at least three times in the past. Scott was arrested and charged with two counts of battery. The charges are later dropped. Two years later, Scott is seen by campus employees in the school gym acting strangely. He's pacing and talking to himself. Soon after, Scott is seen trailing a volleyball coach as she goes down some stairs. Nervous, the employee calls the police. When police speak with Scott, they find out that he's not even attending the school at this point. Police ask that he leave the campus and not return. Just three weeks after the gym incident, Scott is spotted in the school dining hall. The campus officer asks Scott why he's in the hall when he's been issued a trespass warning. Scott replies flatly that the campus officer should probably arrest him. Police arrive, Scott's arrested, but again the charges are dropped. In 2016, Scott harassed a sunbather, alone by the community pool at his apartment complex. He sits next to the teen and tells her, Nice butt. The teen thanks him. She's nervous and pretends to ignore him. Scott then asks the 19-year-old if he can apply suntan lotion to the girl's butt. She, of course, declines. 
Scott asks her name. The girl gives it. What he does next is nothing to downplay. This is Scott crossing a line, one that, once crossed, can never be uncrossed. He slaps her butt, grasps it, and forcefully shakes it, then retreats before the startled sunbather can act. Scott has now directly sexually assaulted a young woman. This was no accident. The police arrive the next day to see Scott caught on camera in the act. This is bulletproof. At this point, there is no argument. He is a sex offender. However, despite the cut and dried evidence, Scott later signs a deferred prosecution agreement. A deferred prosecution agreement is an informal agreement between the defense lawyer, the defendant, and the prosecutor to dismiss the case. Typically, the accused agrees to some concessions. Usually, this is only offered if there is difficulty in proving the case, or in Scott's case, a lack of adjudicated criminal history, despite this being the third documented case of sexual assault. Scott Beerley's former attorney, Don Pumphrey, has expressed shock at what comes later. I personally find this hard to believe. Scott sent as many warning signals possible to those around him, but he continued to slip through the cracks. I'm completely baffled as to how this man continued to walk free over and over again. And not only that, find work in an extremely sensitive position. This is a clear case of the system failing. Hell should be paid, jobs should be lost. Yet, we all know how these things go. Scott's treatment of women goes beyond the sexual assault he continued to get away with. He had a since-removed YouTube channel and once, in 2014, uploaded 14 videos in three days. In a series of videos titled The American Whore Part 1 and The American Whore Part 2, Scott tells us exactly what he thinks of women. I'd like to talk about uh, mongrelization a little bit today. I see a lot of interracial couples, uh, in particular in this town. When I see an interracial couple, I, I think one of two things, uh, and I don't believe I... I think one of two things. Either the guy couldn't do any better, or the girl's a whore, or has some variety of mental illness uh, or psychological issue. Um, <clears throat> and in particular, in particular, what I'm referring to is... Uh, a white man and a, a colored girl, or a man of color and a white female. I'll begin with the, the male side of it and perspective on this, and I've, the Army seemed to have a lot of this, and I saw plenty of officers with Asian wives or black wives, and I always thought, this is what you're resigning yourself to. You, you couldn't do any better than this to provide you with companionship I mean, even mail order, you can get a mail order bride from, from Russia or the Ukraine. You don't have to resign yourself to some iguana, some lizard. Uh, but it's, I just, more than anything, I pity the, the chap. I had a, a flatmate here, a sweetmate. He must have had, I, I don't know, I was almost curious enough to ask and inquire as to his motivation. He only hung out with black people. He brought in, there was like four of them one day. He in a trail behind him. I felt like saying, pretty good pretty good day at the slave auction. That's, he might as well have been coming from an auction when they have a, a long chain behind them. I don't, and he had a black girlfriend and I, I remember thinking like, I hope you don't do whatever I guess you have to do to make you happy, but I hope you don't expect me to, to envy you. You might as well go down to the pet store and buy a puppy and start fucking it. I'm not gonna envy you that either. Um, I, I'm more pity 
it's more pity than than anything else. But from from the female perspective, if it's and I see a lot more of this. A first and foremost, you're not unique. You're not uh, on the cutting edge. There are whores in and and to me, the definition of a whore is the, the greatest crime man can commit. Any individual is betrayal. And the greatest betrayal there is, I think I talked about this before, I may have, there's no greater betrayal though than blood. So what What motivates you? It, first of all, you're not unique. There are whores in not only every city, not only every town, but every village. Find a little settlement of 500 people. You'll find one deranged female that'll find a black dick and suck it. You're not unique. Maybe 30 years ago, you were shocking. You're, nobody's raising an eyebrow. You're just, you're a degenerate, but you're not, you're not chic. Uh, <clears throat> Sometimes it's a psychological issue. There was a girl on Howard Stern once I saw who had been raped by three white men. So she had the psychological block Okay, that, that's a mental uh, issue. That's a psychological uh, dilemma. I was talking with a girl online who said she, she likes getting the dirty looks. She's like a psychological masochist. Uh, I, I think it's, it's usually some sort of psychological issue. Because what sense does it make? From the, I mean, if, I think if, to go to... To look at another configuration of this, if I was a black dude, I, I, I can't really condemn them because uh, I was talking with this one dude once and he said, well, if you were me, what would you take if you had a choice? I mean, you got a good point. I mean, if a third to a uh, half of all your, your females are disgustingly obese and have bad skin, yeah, I, and if these girls are going to be whores, I, in part, I can't blame you. I mean, you are dating up, but you're still ultimately thinking... It, there's a couple of issues with it. One, I think you're, I can make the point you're, you're still thinking like a second-class citizen. Well, how, what, what is this? It seems the first thing that a black man does when he does become successful, and not just in sports, although that's a big part of it, gets himself a white woman. She could be 400 pounds. She's still white. It's, it's a trophy and it's like a status symbol. What does that mean? It means your women have no status. Or it means you're still thinking like a second-class citizen. If that's the first thing you do when you make it, moving on up. Moving on up. I had a buddy. I used to... I, I did eat with... I mean, he wasn't a nig. He just happened to be black. Cool, cool fella. I called him Big Cat. He was like Griff to me from, uh, from Married with Children. And I said, you know, you're a pretty, you're a pretty sharp ch chap. You're, gonna, you're going into a good field. You're gonna be successful. You're gonna get yourself a white woman. He's like, no, I'm gonna keep it real and be like Michael Jordan. He's like, well, we'll see. We'll see. I put that challenge to him. A few years later, I ran into him in McDonald's. He had this big, fat, white woman. I said, I told you. I told you. You know, still thinking like a second-class citizen. You'll, you'll never be equal in the eyes of middle America until you stop, until the your aristocracy of your culture the, the first thing they do, and it happens, it's not an exception and it's not an anomaly. It happens that frequently. Until you start condemning it, 
en masse, your, your elite are embarrassing you. Um, I think that's about all I have to to say on that. If I mean, if society still had integrity collectively and principles and values, you wouldn't see this. Certainly, not nearly as much. But when the the collective uh, zeitgeist is. Hey, be tolerant, but that, that's a code. You were talking about codes before. Thug is a code word for, for nig. Tolerance is a code word, too. It's really an attack mechanism of the left. What it means is lower your guard, stop caring, lower your values, lower your, your principles, and just be, have a porous defense, as it's called in boxing. Just let, any, let anything goes and just watch society disintegrate, which is what we want to have happen. Well, if, if you're not going to hold anyone to any sort of standard, then, yeah, you're, you're going to see the disintegration of the ethnic hegemon. And without an ethnic hegemon, you'll have, well, that's, I'll comment on, I'll comment on the issues with diversity later, but there's a lot of bad things that go with it, more than good things. It's ultimately a, a dangerous and destructive thing to not have any hegemon, any sovereign. But I'll comment on that another time. But this is, from any perspective, if you're not going to have any integrity or hold anyone to any sort of accountability, uh, this, this is on you as a society, and this will perpetuate itself. But that's, that's up to you. It's worth pausing here to really focus in on something. This is a man who struggled with companionship, be it women or friends. And absurdly, unfathomably, he would rather stew in a broth of hatred, misery, and loneliness than be with someone of another race, someone he considers a lizard. It really gives you a look into the window that is his mind. If it wasn't made clear by the misogynistic videos, Scott was also an extreme racist, to the point that he created videos attempting to justify this racism. Okay, hopefully this will be clear enough as well. <clears throat> I'd like to talk now a little bit about the, uh, the five marks, the five indications of the American nig. Uh, to me it's only worth one syllable. Uh, and I'm not going to use, I feel no need to use code, I'm not going to say thug, uh, nig. Now, I, I prescribe to the notion that Chris Rock presented, that there are uh, black people and there are nigs, and there is a disparity, there's a difference. Uh, and he said, uh, I love black people, but I hate nigs. Well, I don't love them. I mean, that's, like, everybody's born some way, somewhere. You can't condemn someone or despise someone for how they're born. It's, you have no control over that. But I can, uh, but like Chris Rock, I despise nigs, but for different reasons. His was based on, I guess, criminality. Um, what I can despise is actions and behavior, and that you have control over. And if you want to know <clears throat> why it is that so many 
so much of, of middle America despise you, I'll, I'll lay it out. You know, very easy things to, to correct. One, I, I, I see dreadlocks as the black man's mullet. For those of you who don't know what mullets are or were, you don't really see them anymore because they looked ridiculous. A lot of uh, young Americans had them um, in mid-80s, mid late-80s, and at some point, I think pretty much at the same moment, Americans just looked at each other and said, you know, you look ridiculous. I look ridiculous. Let's go to the barber. Let's get a haircut. I'd like to think that one day the day will come where, where your your typical neg will look at each other and say, I don't know what the, the meaning, the the notion behind it is or the motivation, but at some point they'll say, you know, you look ridiculous. At what point did Millie Vanilli become back into vogue? I, I don't know. Weren't they, didn't they used to be a laughing stock? And now this is somehow in vogue and chic. It's among the, get, the, the, the gutter of our society, I guess. Anyway, uh, but you look like a Jamaican crack dealer. Is that the point? To try to look obnoxious? It, it's in particular tough for me to still remain an NFL fan. I've been an NFL fan since I was 17, but it's... I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense in that there, there's a societal pressure of, a, of like man versus self, man versus society, man versus... Uh, Man versus man. As we take a moment's pause in the middle of our exploration of the dark corners of humanity, let's explore a different kind of mystery. One that takes you back to the roaring 1920s with June's Journey. In this hidden object game, you slip into the role of June Parker, tasked with unraveling the murder mystery of her sister. Each scene is meticulously designed, filled with hidden clues that lead you deeper into a storyline. Riddled with danger, romance, and scandalous family secrets. I've personally ventured through the ornate parlors of New York to the charming streets of Paris within this game, each chapter peeling back layers of a complex narrative that's as engaging as it is visually stunning. Beyond just solving mysteries, June's journey invites you to escape into an era of opulence as you build and customize your very own estate island. It's the perfect blend of challenge and relaxation that I find incredibly refreshing, especially after delving into the often intense themes of our podcast. For those of you who thrive on solving puzzles and uncovering stories, June's Journey offers a chance to channel your inner detective. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Step into June's shoes and help her solve the ultimate mystery. Can you uncover the truth behind her sister's tragic demise? Now, let's dive back into our own mysterious journey here on Obscura. Stay tuned and keep your wits about you. There's no societal pressure on you as a male to have long hair. Not even if you're in a band anymore, once upon a time. Females have that, that pressure, but a lot of females tie their hair back. You know, it's annoying having long hair. Why you would go out of your way to... I mean, why would you want to have long hair in any capacity as a male? I don't, I don't understand. I don't get... Um, look like that that animal from the that the, the, the alien from Predator. It's like these, I don't know if. And on the flip side, the strange thing is a lot of black females shave their heads. So you have females of your your culture that have the short hair and males that have the long hair. It's peculiar, but it's also revolting. But I guess. From the female perspective, I guess I can understand it if its form follows function, and that's the architectural 
outlook from certain colleges. We don't even want to. We, we don't care how our college looks, how our campus looks, as long as it functions and classrooms work and so on. It's kind of like I guess George Costanza that one episode of Seinfeld where he came in in sweatpants and Jerry said that you know do you realize the presentation that, that you're giving to the rest of the world is I'm not even going to try to look presentable. I, I know I look horrible. I might as well be comfortable. I guess if you're a, an ugly, disgusting black female, I might as well be comfortable. I might as well shave my head. I guess I get that. It, it kind of makes sense, but um, is it any wonder then why you see so much mongrelization? And uh, I, I, see, I see plenty of black dudes with white females. I don't see too many white dudes with black females, but you know, lose some weight. That's, that's another thing that I, that I don't understand. And this isn't under the same category of, of nig. It's just why it is that I'm going to say a third to a fifth of black females are disgustingly obese. Is that genetic or is it dietary? Is it? I, I don't know. I'm curious about that. But I would have to imagine that's driving your men away. I would imagine. Um... But I'll get to mongrelization at another time. Number two, the pants below the butt. You realize that's a gay thing that originated... I know you think it's like a, a prison thing, and it did originate in prison. But what you're saying to the world is, this is open for business. I'm, I'm open for sodomy. So when I see pants below the, the butt, I think, fag, I think that's... that's, that's he's, he's out for some sodomy. Just realize you're giving off that... And you're part of the dregs of society as well. Three, three um, wife beaters out in public. That's that's underwear out in public. And I realize there's trailer trash. Look, every race has their gutter. The uh, Vietnam is the gutter of the Orient. Trailer trash, I guess, is the the gutter of of white people. And nigs are the the, the gutter of black culture. I would imagine. If I was like a 40, 50-year-old black man going to work, working hard, I'd be embarrassed by the thuggery of, of your culture. I know I'm embarrassed by, uh, what is it, the cable the cable guy, Larry the Cable Guy? I mean, he embarrasses me. Um, so anyone who wears white beards out in public, put a shirt on. That's, that's underwear. But if you're used to showing your underwear and wearing your... Can't spoil your butt anyway, why not? But you look ridiculous. Um, that about four. I guess five would be would be rims. I never saw rims until I came to... That's, that's just sort of bizarre and ostentatious. But I know as soon as I see rims, that's got to be a nig. That's, that's no... That's no Asian or white man or even like a respectable 50-year-old black. That, that's a nig. So if, if you're... Curious while you're getting like strange looks or dirty looks. Uh, if it's not deliberate um, and you're not aware, um, be aware now. You don't have to be a degenerate. You, you don't have to. You don't have to be disgusting. You can. It doesn't take that much effort or energy or or money to look presentable. And it, it, and as far as speaking. I, maybe that's number six. It just takes a little bit of, of of energy to sound like you care. They have some sense of I care how I sound. Some sense of urgency 
maybe one way of putting it. But when you just sort of like leave off every syllable of every word and sound like you don't care, yeah, that's that's linguistically, I guess, the mark of an egg uh, as well. But that goes to the, the, the root of the nig of being lazy. It's if you actually have energy and you care, it'll come out in how you sound uh, as well. And that's the first thing people notice about you is how you put your words together. You don't have to be an expert, though. You just have to... At age 40, after receiving a graduate degree from FSU, he moved to Deltona, Florida, the town I spent my teenage years in. In April 2017, Scott begins work as a substitute teacher for the Volusia County School District. By August 2017, he receives work as a full-time teacher at Hinson Middle School in Daytona Beach, Florida. The school district soon receives unsettling handwritten notes from parents about Scott. Their children have begun to complain that he's weird and makes them uncomfortable. Other parents have Googled his name and found images of Scott's mugshot as well as a Facebook page that reinforced his odd behavior. He's fired after only a couple weeks. Scott is then hired at Galaxy Middle School in Deltona, resuming work as a substitute teacher. This is actually the middle school I went to from 6th to 7th grade. Considering some of my less than positive experiences with Galaxy Middle staff, I'm unsurprised that Scott was able to find work there at all. I once had a Galaxy Middle teacher teach me how to make explosives from a Folgers coffee can, so yeah, not exactly examples of responsible teachers at Galaxy Middle. On May 25, 2018, Scott touched one of his students in the classroom. Afterwards, the violated girl hid behind other students while others reported the incident for her. Scott was asked by staff to head to the front office to make a statement, but he attempts to leave the premises instead. A school resource officer runs after and retrieves Scott before he can get away. This was preceded by an incident where Scott was caught viewing pornography on a school computer. Again, the, 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 treachery, what, the treachery that a female is capable of when her sensibilities are offended to me is astonishing. And why nobody else has emphasized it or addressed it is... <clears throat> the lengths that they will go to, lying, exaggerating, uh, outright lying. And again, and I, I stated this before, there were, there were eight of them. It wasn't like I offended. They all saw the exact same actions out of me. Well, he makes an easy victim then, doesn't he? No repercussions on our behalf, well, potentially. <clears throat> but I believe in karma. I believe in what, what comes around, goes around. And those that engage in, in treachery ultimately will be the victims of it. Before the final events, Scott Beerly uploads one last song to his SoundCloud. The hell with the boss, I won't get off my back. The hell with the girl, I can't get in the sack. The hell with the good times, I can't get back. The hell with my life, I can't get on track. Fuck them all. Fuck them all.
Why do they all seem to think they can insult me with total impunity? Well, perhaps what I'm about to do will make them see that they can't. I'm not powerless to retaliate. The only reason I have not so far is that I fear I may not be able to stop. They'll never let me be all that I should be, all that I'm entitled to be. They'll all be there, ready to pounce in a dozen trumped-up courts with a dozen trumped-up suits. That will not happen. I will not let it happen, no matter what I have to do to avert it. It's not too late. I can still turn back, but once I cross this undistinguished river, I cross from servant of my country to an aggressor against her. Yet I know all this. I've known it for years. I've done everything. Thought, planned, schemed, striven mightily. I've made incredible concessions to fame or infamy glory or notoriety to Rome let the dice fly Scott's been staying at a Tallahassee hotel despite living in Deltona at 5.30pm posing as a customer Scott arrived at the yoga studio in a red Chevrolet Sonic it was the perfect location for his goals a second-floor corner location in a plaza with other businesses. Scott entered and, without warning, begins firing. He shoots eight people, killing two before his gun jams. Joshua Quick takes advantage of this short reprieve. Joshua picks a vacuum cleaner up by the heavy end and strikes Scott. It's not enough. Scott pistol whips Joshua and Joshua goes down, bleeding, his face ripped open from the gun strike. Scott starts working on the gun again. Joshua knows he doesn't have a lot of time. He looks around for something, anything to fight off the much larger six-foot-two Scott Beerley. He grabs a nearby mop and begins attacking Scott with the handle, hitting him in the head. With Scott distracted, people around them rush for the door, making their narrow escape. Having lost the battle to Joshua's quick thinking, Scott turns the gun on himself, shooting himself in the head, and with that ended the downward spiral of a hate-filled incel. I like to imagine the universe gave a sigh of relief. At 5.40pm, 10 minutes later, police arrive. Outside, Joshua Quick is photographed speaking with emergency services. His face is cut and bleeding, his shirt stained red. This story has its hero. I like to imagine Valhalla holding a spot for Joshua with his vacuum and broomstick.
On November 4th, 2018, Florida State University held a candlelight vigil. At the candlelight vigil, under an overcast sky, a small choir sung, Hymn to the Garnet and Gold. Maura Brinkley was 21 when she died. She was a fourth-generation legacy student at FSU who studied German, editing, writing, and media. Shortly before, Maura was offered an interview for Teach for America and was so excited she asked her mom for advice on how to dress for it. Maura liked to help people. She volunteered and wanted a career in government affairs. Maura traveled nearly all of Europe. She was a member of the Delta 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 sorority. She was close with her parents and her brother. She liked to cook and shared recipes with her mother. She liked to listen to NPR with her father. Maura was staunchly against gun violence. She had traveled to the capital to support Parkland students as they lobbied for changes in gun law. Nancy Van Vessem was 61 when she died. She was a doctor and chief medical director for Capital Health Plan. Big Bend Hospice in Tallahassee described Nancy as a physician and leader who touched countless lives as chief medical officer at Capital Health Plan. Nancy's daughter described her as selfless, loving, supportive, and fabulous. On Twitter, Marie Bailey wrote, Dr. Van Vessem was my primary doctor from 1994 to 2001. I mourn her senseless, premature, violent death and that of Maura Binkley. She continued, I ask for the millionth time, when will this stop? I couldn't have said it better myself, Marie. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.